listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Man, I'm so grateful to be here with y'all in just all three services this morning to see so many of y'all coming to honor our King. It's awesome. So if you're a guest, again, glad you are here with us. Uh, just so glad that you've chosen to be here and to worship with us. Uh, for those who have been here, our regulars, I told y'all a few weeks ago that I would explain to you why I had to miss church a few weeks ago, and so today's the day. And uh, I've waited, it's not a super uh, great story, at least for me. Um, it's not, you know, it doesn't make me look good, but that's okay, it's not about me, right? So I was training for the last couple months for a marathon, many of you know that, I'm trying to qualify for Boston. Uh, and so I ran that marathon uh, on whatever, three weeks ago, whatever it was, and was doing all right. You know, mile 10, good. Mile 13, good. I mean, you know, kept, uh, pace was good. I was on pace, you know, kept going. Mile 20, didn't feel good, but no one feels good after driving 20 miles, let alone running uh, 20 miles. And so, but I was still, I was still on pace. I still was there. Uh, last couple of miles were kind of a haze. Uh, the, the, the course I was running, you made a left turn and you had two and a half miles to the finish line. So I remember that. Um, but the next thing I know, uh, is I'm surrounded by EMTs. And so, yeah, exactly. So apparently I passed out at the mile 25 marker, literally one mile from the end. Uh, And so at that point I was in like 30, 40th place, uh, finished not in 30th, 40th, finished, well, I'm still running it, I haven't finished yet. Uh, Because so I went from uh, EMTs to the medical tent uh, where I was fine by that time, you know, and they were like, oh, you need to go to the hospital. I was like, I do not know you need to go to the hospital. Yes, you do. Everyone's telling me. I was saying, no, I don't. And so this is my next view um, on the way. Um, and so there's me in the ambulance, first time in my life, fun. Um, and that's, I, I, this is not how the day expe- I expected it to go, right? I mean, I've been training for three, four months for this thing, and this is not where I ended up thinking I was going to. But I had to chuckle because as I'm sitting there in my humility, um, thinking, oh, wow, this is great. I, I more actually was thinking about how much is this going to cost me? Is that I was really, I was thinking, I really could care less about everything else, but I don't want the bill. Um, they did tell me my name is John Smith, right? Send the bill to him, right? But um, I, I, I saw the symbol on the back of the ambulance and I chuckled because I had been at the time praying about what should I preach on Easter and what is, and, and this kind of was God's sense of humor to me um, as I saw this symbol, if you kind of zoom in on that right there, a snake on a pole, which I don't know if you know this, it's, it's the universal symbol of healing, right? You go anywhere in the world and it's on ambulances and you know, medical tents in the middle of nowhere, a snake on a pole is a symbol of healing. You know why we came up with that and not, couldn't be more creative, like a bottle of Advil or me in the back of an ambulance looking dumb, whatever, right? But this is a symbol that everyone recognizes as one of healing. Have you ever thought about why that is? I mean, why is a snake wrapped around a pole What does that point to healing? That is what I want to answer today for you. Because not only does it point to a healing story, we're going to see this healing story that this snake in a pole comes from. It points us ultimately to the healing story that we celebrate today. You know, Easter is ultimately a healing story. And so this snake on a pole is going to point us to the exact thing that we celebrate today. And if you're like, how? Great question. I will hopefully be able to explain it to you, right? Because that's why some of you are here. Some of you are here because you understand it. This is my healing story. Some of you, you came in searching, hungry, uh, tired, uh, empty maybe, and, and you need this healing story. Some of you came in and you're like, I don't even know how I got here. Family, someone offered me chicken and ham biscuits. I'm here, I'm here. 
Uh, I don't need a healing, I don't think. I mean, I'm in pretty good shape. I got my vaccine. I can do 10 push-ups, which does not mean, by the way, you're in good shape. That's not really impressive, to be honest with you. But wherever you're at, whatever you think may be or may not be your need, you need this healing story, right? You need this snake on a pole. And so I'm gonna show you how it's not just a healing story. It is the healing story. And so if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, we're gonna be in the book of Numbers, Numbers, if you're like, I didn't know there was a book of numbers. Is there a book of letters? There's not a book of letters, but there is a book of numbers. So it's okay if you're not familiar with the Bible. I'll explain where we're at. It'll be on the screen. Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible. Fourth book. And it takes place 1500 BC-ish. Right, 1500 BC is where we are going to pick up. Uh, and here's kind of what's been going on, just so you kind of get the kind of story. If you see the pre- Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, that just happened. Moses led the people out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. They come into the, almost in the land of, of Canaan, of Israel, and, and all the people, all of a sudden, they get scared, and they, and they kind of back out. Oh, the people are too big. We can never do it. We can never do it. And God says, fine, you don't want to go in. Your kids will go in. And he takes them back out into the desert, and they wander for 40 years, right? They spend 40 years in spiritual Ikea. Have you ever been to Ikea? Men. My kids are like, Dad, we need an Ikea here. I'm like, you do not know what you speak of. Have you ever been to Ikea? You walk through the doors, they slam shut. It's like the Hotel California. You can never leave. And you wander. That's why they have beds in there, y'all, because there's people still wandering around in Ikea. And you can't get out, and you're like, I can see the exit, I just can't get to it. That's the people of Israel, And they are just 40 years. And where we pick up today is that 40 years of wandering is is done. And they're headed back to the promised land. And this is where our healing story begins. And like every healing story, there's three big, three ideas. You have the sickness, you have the medicine, and you have the prescription. And if you're a doctor, you're like, that's not really accurate. I don't care. It's, you have your turn tomorrow. This is my turn now. Okay. (laughs) The sickness the medicine and the prescription, and we're gonna see their healing story and how it starts. Here's, here's, let me jump right in. Numbers chapter 21, verse four, where we pick up. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. The people became impatient on the way. So here's what's going on. Uh, here, here's a map. This kind of will uh, explain this to you a little bit. See, they are by Mount Hor. That's that little triangle on the left side of the map, right? The promised land is directly to the north. They are almost there. They are on the cusp. They are right. All they have to do is turn north and go north. And they're there. But, or they can just go straight across, which is this thing called uh, the King's Highway. It's like I-95. They can just cut right there and go up the left side. They can do all those. But what God does is he says, no, you're not going through Edom. You're going south. So he goes all the way south to the Red Sea. And then they're going to come all the way up through the wilderness. It's the long way around. It's like going to Atlanta to get to Jacksonville. That's what it is. And the people, like your kids, if they were in the back of the minivan, you said, we're going to go to Jacksonville, but we're going to go all the way to Atlanta first. They became impatient and they complained. Look at the next verse. The people spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you, and the you there is plural, why have y'all brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Right? There's no food. There's no water. We loathe this worthless food. Now, they're, they're whining. They're exaggerating. They're complaining. Right? Why have you brought us out to die in the wilderness? Has God really done that? I mean, he's kept you alive for 40 years. Come on. If you wanted you to die, he could have left you 40 years ago. 
And when there's no food and water, well, then how are you still alive? And then they say, oh, there is food. We just don't want it. We hate this, this worthless, we loathe, we despise. We hate, and with, with the food they're talking about is manna, which is miracle bread that would come down every morning and they go out and gather it and they can make waffles or pancakes or, you know, whatever. Uh, they could make anything out of manna they wanted to. They didn't have to do anything. They just go outside and gather it. And at night, God would bring quail. So they had, you know, they had their carbs in the morning. They had the protein at night. And they said, what we're saying is, we hate God, this food, we loathe your provision, your generosity. We're sick of Moses. We're sick of you. We're sick of the wilderness. We're sick of sand in our sleeping bags. We're sick of sandstorms. We're tired. We went out. It was better when we were in Egypt. We could have salad in Egypt. They had vegan diet here. We don't have nothing but carbs and, and quail, right? And they complain. And they reject God's provision, his generosity, his kindness, his goodness, his leadership, his deliverance. And so God gets their attention in a way that gets most of our attention. Snakes, right? If your kid says, mom, I found a snake. What do you do? You flip out, right? Even if it's a little garter snake, even if it's like a one inch worm, you're like, ah, you flip out. Why? Because there's something about snakes. And these aren't little garter snakes. These are poisonous snakes. And so look at verse six. The Lord sent fiery serpents. They're not fiery because they're on fire. It's not a sci-fi movie. They're they're fiery because they cause you to be on fire. So when you get bit, just like with any poisonous snake, there's a burning. And then there's a a fever that your body is just on fire. And there's an an insatiable thirst. And eventually you die. And so people are getting bit everywhere. Many people dying. I mean, this is not one snake in your backyard. This is Indiana Jones on steroids. Snakes everywhere. Right? You're not going to want to leave the tent to go get manna. You're like, we'll starve because there's snakes everywhere. You're not going to get in the sleeping bag because there's something slithering and all of a sudden, ouch. I mean, just think about that. Everyone's freaking out. You're hearing screaming. You're hearing people in agony yelling. Did God get their attention? Yes. Does God, it kind of lets you see a, just a little bit how God feels about complaining. And some of you are like, oh, I could have had to park a whole hundred yards away. You just wait. There's a snake under your car. Watch how you complain, right? But that, that's where they're at, right? Uh, and they respond, and they respond rightly. People came to Moses and said, we have sinned. This is the right response. You can write it in your Bible, repentance. This is repentance. We have sinned. We've spoken against the Lord. We've spoken against you, Moses. So please pray to the Lord that he would take the serpents. And if I'm Moses as the leader, I'm like, oh, now you want me to lead. Now you like me right? But Moses is a lot kinder and gracious, more gracious than I. And so what does he do? He prays for the people. And what you expect to happen next is what? And the Lord, you know, raised up St. Patrick and he led all the snakes out of Israel. That's what you expect, right? You expect God to, to remove all the snakes and everything gets better, right? That's not what he does. Does something very interesting. The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, and set it on a pole. There's our symbol. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. I want you to make the object of what is causing pain and suffering. I want you to put it high in the air on a pole. And when people look at it, they will live. Now, I'm not a doctor. Okay? I was a PE major. I did have biology in college. So this is, that's the extent of my expertise. But I'm pretty sure this does not sound like sound medical advice. You got bit by a serpent? Just go look at a a statue. This sounds like the kind of stuff we tell our kids when they're young, when we want them to do something. 
Don't swallow your gum because it'll stay inside of you forever. So most of us think we had like 20 pounds of gum or I'm going to die. I've been chewing Wrigley's for 20 years and swallowing it. Or don't hold your face like that because it's going to stick. Don't crack your knuckles because they're going to get big, right? Don't go swimming after you eat because you're going to die, right? It's that kind of stuff. You're on the baseball field. You get hit by a ball. Just rub dirt on it. It makes it feel better. It doesn't make it feel better. But we say these things and it, it, this sounds to me like that. You get bit by a snake? No problem. Look at the statue of a snake. Sounds ridiculous. But yet Moses made a bronze serpent and he set it on a pole. And what happens? If a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. It worked. They lived. They were healed. Right? That's what happened. Their healing story and the symbol, the universal symbol for healing. And my guess is that, you know, some of you grew up in church, you may have heard this. A lot of you have never heard this story before, right? And some of you are like, okay, is this one of those churches that I've seen on 60 Minutes? There's something going to happen. I'm bringing out a, you know, aquarium full of snakes. No, I, you're, we'll be okay. Not this time. Next week. We do that out for Easter. So how is this, how is this my healing? I get their healing story. How is this my healing story? How is this related to Easter at all? Let me show you. And you have to go 1,500 years later after this, this narrative to kind of see the big picture. And, it, and here's, the, here's what's going on. It's, it's in the middle of the night. It's dark. It's kind of chilly, right? It's about 30, 31 AD. And there's a religious leader. His name's Nick. And Nick's a bigwig. Nick's like the grand poobah. Nick is like varsity when it comes to, to religion, right? He is a Pharisee. He's part of the inner circle of the Pharisees. I mean, he is the man. He's memorized the Old Testament word for word, right? He actually knew there was a book of numbers before today, okay? He, he, he's the man. He's varsity. And he is meeting at night with Jesus because he's scared to meet with Jesus in the day because he doesn't want people to know he's got questions. And he's starting to think, this guy might be something. I, I, so he's asking him questions like, well, who are you? And, and how does someone get to heaven? And how does someone live forever? And, and Jesus is like, dude, you're a varsity and you don't know? You're supposed to be the, like the guy everyone comes to to ask the questions. And you're asking me the most simple stuff? I mean, you should know these things, right? And Jesus says this. If I told you earthly things, you don't believe me. How can, I, how can I tell you heavenly things? Don't listen. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven. The son of man. The son of man is a title that Jesus uses for himself. It's a messianic term. And, and then notice, so notice what he says. I love this. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... And the word as, by the way, it's, it's the word kathos in the Greek term. It means in the same exact way, just as. Just as Moses lifted up the son of man, the, the, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man, me, be lifted up. Lifted up, what in the world does that mean? Right? He, he tells them just a few chapters later, when I am lifted up from earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So follow Jesus' logic. This guy's saying, hey, who are you? And how do we get to heaven? He's like, you don't even know? Okay, let me make it simple for you. Let me take you back to Sunday school. Remember the snake on a pole, lifted high. That's me. That was pointing to me. That was the movie trailer. I'm the movie. That was just a little snippet of what 
what's going on here. Just like that was lifted up, I must be lifted up. This is what God has been doing since the beginning, right? Uh, this is where God has been moving all these things from the very get-go, right? And he should have known it and he didn't know it, but he's pointing people that way. Their healing story back in Numbers is, is a picture of the big healing story, right? God has been foreshadowing this forever. And let me kind of unpack those three things we talked about. And, and I, let me show you how this relates, okay? Remember the sickness, medicine, and the prescription. What was the sickness for the Hebrews? It was the poison, this poison which caused burning and thirst and, and fire and eventually death. And, and what was the, the cause? Because they had rejected God's provision and his leadership and his goodness and his direction. And because they rejected it, they're bitten. And it's burning them up. What was the medicine? Something had to be lifted up. Not just anything though. The very thing that caused the burning and the thirst and the destruction the snake had to be lifted high. It had to be seen. It had to be put up so everyone can see it. But it wasn't enough just for it to put it up. What's the prescription? What did, what, did they, what did he say you had to do? You have to look. You gotta see it. That's how you take the medicine. You gotta see the snake. And you can imagine, if you're, if you're a Hebrew and, and you go, maybe your, your spouse has been bitten, one of your kids has been bitten, and you run to Moses. And you're like, Moses, my son, my husband, they've been bitten. Please help me, Moses. What should I do? They're, they're, they're in agony. They're dying, Moses. And Moses would say this. He'd say, calm down. Take a chill. I put this pole in the middle of the camp. You see it? Can you see that right there? I see it. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to get your husband. I want you to bring him outside the tent and I want him to turn his head and I want him to look at that snake. Okay, and then what? No, no, that's it. Come out of the tent. Look at that snake. Well, shouldn't he kind of go up and touch it? You know, get close to it? Maybe he gets close to it or maybe, maybe he, can he climb the pole and then touch it? You know, or maybe, you know, we heard our neighbors talking and they found some snake eggs and they've been eating them because we figured snake, poison, snake eggs, maybe that, or they have some cactus juice and it seems to relieve the, uh, the pain for a minute. So we've been putting cactus juice on our, our bites. And Moses would say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. All you have to do is come outside the tent and look, just look. That's it. That is it. See, here's the thing about that. Anybody can look, can't they? Anybody can look, whether you're young or old, you can look. Whether you're a baby who's been bitten and you don't know anything, you can, you're, they can, you can look. You're old, you can look. You've been, you're far away, you're, you're, like the, you're in the suburbs of, of the camp and you're a mile away, you can still look. Whether you've just been bitten, you're just see, starting to see the, the symptoms, or whether you're in the last throes, you are paralyzed completely. You can't even move. All you can do is blink. One for yes, two for no. You can still look. Anybody can look. And that is the point, right? That, that is their healing story, right? Their sickness is the poison. Their medicine is the snake on a pole. The prescription is look at it. See it. Can I tell you that that is the same healing story we celebrate today? What is our sickness, 
right, ultimately. It's, it's, it's not, you know, COVID or I got the allergies or whatever. I'm a Braves fan. That is sick, but that's another story. Uh, your sickness goes back to your first parents, Adam and Eve, who lived in paradise. And God had given him his direction. He said, don't eat that one tree. That's all. You can do anything you want. Just don't eat that. He's given his provision. He gave him everything. Everything is perfect. And what happens in Genesis 3? What comes into the garden? A snake. You think that's by accident? And that snake was the serpent, was the devil, who starts going, Adam and Eve, y'all, that tree is where it's at. That's, I mean, God is trying to keep you from the best. That is the best thing going. You need that. God's not for you. God is against you. If God was for you, you need the tree. And when they saw the tree, listen to the language, they see it. They start thinking, you know, you're right. We need to get us some of that tree. And so they take it and they eat it. And when that spiritual venom hits their soul, they're not satisfied. They're not filled. There's no joy. They are devastated. And everything falls apart. They were, had intimacy with God and fellowship. Now they're hiding, trying to cover themselves with leaves. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction. There's just destruction and death. And now that poison is running through their veins. And ever since then, for our first parents, that same poison, that sin is running through our veins. And it's the same, let me tell you, the symptoms are the same. The poison for the Hebrews, there's a thirst, there's a, there's a burning, there's a, there's a hotness, and then there's a death. What's, what's a, one of the symptoms of sin? It's the desire and thirst for more to fill the emptiness in our soul with stuff. So I got my $1,400, but I really want $2,800. Right, it's not enough. I got the promotion, but I need the promotion with the parking spot because I have to walk 30 feet further than my buddy and I'm, that's depressing to me, right? I, I, I wanna look this thin, but I wanna look this thin with this many followers. I got the leather interior and I got the moonroof, but I really want the leather with the moonroof and the car that parks himself, which no respectful man would ever drive. Get a bike if you can't parallel park, right? I, it's always more. I gotta be dating this person. I gotta be this. I wanna have kids. I wanna get married more, 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 more. Where's that come from? It's the poison of sin that you're seeking significance from likes, from this, from career, from whatever, and it'll never happen. It is a thirst that will end in death. The sickness, the poison is sin, right? And the theologians have been talking about this for centuries, St. Augustine says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Blaise Pascal, famous statement, you've heard it. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. It can never be filled by any creative thing, not boats, not money, not vacation houses, not a 28-inch waist, not anything. C.S. Lewis most recently said, if I, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You were to know God, but sin has devastated that relationship. And the poison, if it's not dealt with, will lead to a burning and an emptiness and eventually death. Because the wages of sin is death. So what's the medicine for this sickness? Can I tell you? It's the same as it was for them. What was the medicine for the Hebrews? The, the thing that was causing their pain had to be lifted up. What happened on the cross of Jesus? The thing that was causing pain and death was lifted up on the cross. 
And ironically, what does Jesus say on the cross? I thirst. And what happens on the cross is not just Jesus is nailed to it. Yes, that is true. But Paul says that for our sake, for us, God made Jesus to actually be sin, not to be sinful. He never became sinful. He was always perfect. He was always loving. He was always forgiving to the end. But Jesus actually became sin so that I could get the righteousness of God. What happens? Sin, the object of what is causing your pain and your suffering and your thirst and your death is lifted up so that you could see it. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus becomes sin for you. So the cross with the Messiah on it is your medicine. By his wounds, we are healed, right? That is the medicine. The poison is sucked out of you and put into him. And, and I know that we often ask the question, why can't God just forgive? Why can't God just, you know, overlook, right? He can't overlook because he is holy. He can't just forgive, because whenever there's a forgiveness, there's always a loss. There's always a cost. Someone takes a hit when there's forgiveness. So if my kid, if, if my older kids that are driving, they get to be pulling the Publix and they, they bump into a Tesla. Please don't. Hit a Camry, not a Tesla. But they bump into a Tesla. Someone's taking a hit. Either my kids are paying for it, which they cannot pay for it, Right? or I'm paying for it with my insurance, with my deductible, with my whatever. What's gonna happen? Dad's gonna take the hit so the kid gets off, right? Because when there's forgiveness, someone's gotta take a hit. It's not just monetary. You slander someone, you gossip someone, and you go to that, oh, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. They have a choice. They either say, no, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna do the same thing to you, so someone takes a hit, or they say, okay, I forgive you, I release you. So they take the hit because their name's been slandered, but they don't get back. Someone takes the hit when there's forgiveness. At the cross, God takes the hit because Jesus becomes the poison. Jesus takes your poison on himself. God releases us from the debt we owed and he pours it out on his son and he lifts him high so that you can see him. And Jesus said, what? When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I'll draw all men to myself. And this is the way it had to be, y'all. That's what Jesus said in John 3, we read it earlier, that the Son of Man has to, has to, it's this Greek word, day, it is necessary, it's a must, there is no other choice. If there's going to be forgiveness, the Son of Man has to take the poison, because someone has to, and he did, he endured the cross, despising the shame, right? But it's not enough just for the medicine to be offered, what, you got to follow the prescription, Right? Sickness is sin. The medicine is Christ on a cross lifted up. What's the prescription? What are you supposed to do? What were the Hebrews supposed to do? Two times it says it. If they looked, they lived. If they saw it, they lived. Two times it mentions it in, in Numbers. Guess what Jesus does? Two times. He tells you the prescription. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes. And then the most famous verse in the Bible in every end zone in America. For God so loved the world he gave his only son, whoever believes. What is the prescription? Believe. And notice he says believe, not about, but believe in. Because anyone can believe about. Yeah, I believe there's a guy named Jesus. Yeah, he lived a life. He was on a cross. I believe. About. No, no. He says believe in. What is believing in? Believing in is the same thing that the Hebrews were doing. What did the Hebrews have to do to look at the snake? 
First of all, they had to realize that they had an issue. There's poison. Then they had to trust that, that God says, just look at the snake. That takes some faith, right? That seems silly, but I'm going to take God at his word. And what they had to do is stick their head out of the tent. And in doing so, they're turning their back on their sin. That's called repentance. And they're looking to the object of their pain. That is repentance. That is faith. It seems silly. It seems ridiculous, but I trust God. I take God at his word. What is God asking you to do? To take him at his word. That his son was lifted high, that sin was poured out on him. Judgment was poured out on him so that you could go free. You say, well, don't I have to do something? Don't I have to like, go to church, read my Bible, pray, get catechized, get somethingized, right? Do some things, jump through some hoops, stop doing this, stop dating girls who chew and, 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 and all these other things, right? Those things are fine because you want a lady with teeth, okay? But that, that, that's all that is is trying to climb a pole. All that is is trying to touch a snake. All that is is cactus juice. All that is is, is yolk of, of snake egg. It's dumb. And it won't get you anywhere. What does Jesus say? Just look. Believe. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in. And, and the difference between believing about and believing in, you, you've all done it this morning. Whether you knew it or not, you walked into this room and you, you, you sat in a chair and when you were, you were sit, about to sit down, you were like, man, I don't know if I can trust this chair. I think it might've had COVID. I don't know. I will have to see. What you did, you just, you just sat on down. You didn't think about it. You just poured yourself back and said, I'm glad I got here on time. I got myself a seat. And you just rested everything in that chair. That's what Jesus is asking for you to do. To look at him on the cross and say, this was for you. I did this for your sin. You've turned from your sin and you've put your trust in him. That is the prescription. Belief. And the beauty of it is anybody can believe. You're 88 years old. You can believe. You're eight. You can believe. Doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, where you've been, how old, how young. Anybody can believe. See, if it's about doing stuff, if it's about climbing a pole, not everyone can do that. Only the strong can do that. If it's about touching the snake, then only those that are close. What if you're in the last throes and you're paralyzed and you can't move and you can't get to the snake? Oh, well, you're done. No, anybody can believe. Anybody can look. You say, well, I don't know. You don't, you don't know my story. You don't know how many times I've done X, Y, Z. I'm 72 years old. I've never been in church. I've done all these things. I, I got some, I got a story. Here's what I do know. When Jesus is on the cross, there's a guy on his left, there's a guy on his right. Murderers, insurrectionists, deserving to die. And one of them at one point looks over to the other because they're mocking Jesus and says, do you not fear God? We deserve what we're getting. He's innocent. And Jesus, he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. This guy has never done anything good in his life. He's in the last throes. The poison is running through his veins. He cannot move. All he can do is blink. And in his last moment, he, he looks and he lives. And today he is seated in the throne room of God, praising his savior. He lives. So I don't care where you've been. You look, 
That's what does he say? You live. Whoever believes has eternal life. Right now, present tense, has. So it's in the last moment, what happens when that person who can barely move looks at the snake? Boom, they have life. It's not just they're healed, although that is true. They have life is the language. They see, they live, they look, they live. Jesus says, you believe, you live. And so what's the point? Wherever you're at this morning, this is your healing story. A snake on a pole points you to a savior on a cross in your place for your study. You say, well, how do I know this is true? One reason and one reason only, because the tomb is empty. If the tomb is, is not empty, then you're wasting your time. You should be at home with ham biscuits getting ready for golf. That's what you should be doing. Or the Braves that get swept by the Phillies, one or the other. But because Jesus is alive, you should be here proclaiming that he is risen. He is risen indeed. He's, he's alive. And because he lives and he's been declared the son of God in power, I live. Because what God did to Jesus, he will do to me. Why? Because he took my place. He took the poison of my sin. That, this is what the whole Bible has been about, by the way. In fact, the first, you know the first prophecy in the Bible is about Easter? Right after Adam and Eve sin, God speaks to Eve, boom. He speaks to Adam, boom. And then God goes to the, to the serpent. He goes to Satan. And, and at the time, it was veiled because it's very early and they don't, they don't see. But as, as scripture has unfolded, we can see what he was saying. God says to the serpent, he says, I'm gonna cause hostility between the woman and between you and your offspring and her offspring. The word offspring there is, is very unique when it's linked to a woman's offspring. It's usually a man's offspring because it's a, the literal word is seed. And so typically you see the man's seed and the man's offspring. But here he says, there's gonna be a woman, singular, and she's gonna have an offspring, singular. This is a reference to something that's gonna happen thousands of years later in Bethlehem when Mary... The virgin is going to have a child whose name is Jesus, the Messiah. And, and God is saying to Satan, your offspring, your demons, your, your, your powers are gonna be in hostility with, with mine. And you are going to strike his heel. You're gonna get him on the heel. But he's gonna get you on the head. Which one is the, the crushing blow? See, on Friday, Satan bruised the heel of Jesus. On Sunday... When he came out of the tomb, Jesus crushed the head of the serpent, defeating death, defeating sin. So now we say, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? That is why I know I am healed. Because Jesus was dead. He was lifted up. The object of my sin went into the tomb, came out on the third day, and he is alive. And he is risen, and he is coming again. And so the response is this, real simple. If this is your healing story, what do you do? You live like someone who's been healed. You have joy like someone who's been healed. You sing like someone who's been healed. You leave here and you go and eat your ham biscuits and you go and watch golf, but you do it like someone who's been healed. You don't do it like grumpy, frumpy, right? You don't live in you know, Vermont where it's cold and you can't go to church. You actually are, you, 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 it's warm out and you can go outside and celebrate and eat ham biscuits and do whatever today. You, there's some joy in this place when we sing, there's some joy. Here's another thing. It's a side note. If you're healed, and you heard, and back then, and, and you heard the people in the tent next to you, and they're screaming, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to go, oh, here, I have some cactus juice for you and, some, and snake eggs. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to go in and say, brah, let me help you to the front of the tent so that you can see. 
This is what the church does, by the way. This is, this is our one task on, on earth until Jesus comes back, is we help people see him. We exalt Jesus. We point people to Jesus. We don't people point people to CBC. We don't pe- point people to Bill Fowler. Don't exalt me. I can't even finish a race. Okay? I can't even stay hydrated. Don't point people to me. Don't point people to, the, to CBC. You point people to the one who was lifted up and who came out of the tomb. That is the job of the church. You hear people moaning, they go, people are empty, people hurting. We point people to them. Now, it's their choice. They can look or not, but you better tell them, look and live. That's the job of the church. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, and again, maybe you're like, I came in, I'm healthy, I'm good. You may be physically healthy, but you are spiritually, the scripture says, dead. You're dead. And you need to be made alive. And the only way to be made alive is to look and live. It is by grace you have been saved. It is through faith. It is a gift of God. It's not you climbing to the top. It's not you being nice. It's not you being good. It is God's grace. And the channel we receive that grace is faith in what Christ has done. And if you have questions, you want to like, I need, I need to know some more. Hey, talk to us. Talk to one of our folks in the back on a prayer team. Fill out a card, drop it in the box. We'll, we'll call you. This is, this is why you're here. God loved you so much. He brought you here so that you could have a healing story. Don't miss it. Don't sit in the tent rubbing cactus juice on your arms thinking this is gonna do something. It's not. Look and live. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Just stand and we will sing like living people, healed people, and then we'll go. Father, thank you that we can remember our Savior, that we can look on the cross, which is empty now, but it was filled with him, our sin on a cross. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Thank you that we have hope. Thank you that we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. And I pray wherever we're at in this room that that would be our story, that that would be our hope, that that would be our joy. It's in Christ's name I pray.